Jesus. You can flip your bulletins back over. Uh, on the front is just some, some kind of notes that you can follow along if you can see them. All the big important parts will be on the screen when we get to them. Uh, and so you can read the Bible right up there. If you have uh, a, a smartphone and you have a version Bible app on it, you can open that up right now and you can follow along as we, we, we look up scripture verses. You can read them right on your phone uh, if you want to do that. But uh, we're going through a sermon series. Uh, and at our church, we preach through series that kind of give us direction. And so we called our Christmas sermon series uh, a Christmas party. If you haven't been here for any of the other three and you're interested at the end of today's message and doing that, you can catch all of our, our, our past previous messages on our, on our, at our website, sign up for our podcast, go to Vimeo. But, but we basically, we just want to talk about how much Jesus loves people. Uh, and how uh, the word party and Jesus are, 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 are synonyms. I know a lot of people think, you know, there's nothing worse and more boring uh, than church people. But the, the, the truth is that Jesus often was at parties. Uh, and last week we talked about the time he was at a party with, with the prostitute. Uh, and so if you're interested in that, uh, check that out. But tonight, I, I, title, I entitled my message, Carol Oakey. Everybody say, Carol, Carol. Oakey. Oakey. See, we did something there. We, we did... We did karaoke and, and carols. You get that? So say carol, okey. How many of y'all love, uh, all three of our campuses by show of hands, you love Christmas carols. Like you're like, this is so great. How many of you hate Christmas carols? You're like, I hate Christmas carols. I don't even know what they're saying on Christmas carols. Like uh, I, I thought that you sit, by the fi- you sit by the fire and you perspire. I didn't know you conspire. I thought it wasn't, I didn't know what Jan Virgin was. I thought it was John Virgin. And so Still trying to feel like, like, I'm one of them. I, in fact, most of the songs we sing at church, I don't know the words. I just make them up. Like, if you ask my wife, if we go home, the songs that you guys know probably better than me, if I don't have the words in front of my, in my, my eyes, I just, I just sing Watermelon with the tune that it is, and it always works out. But what I want to do tonight to have some fun, uh, because some of you are, you've never been to church before, you haven't been for a long time, you think you're going to get struck by lightning, you're a little bit uptight right now. So to kind of, uh, to kind of loosen you up, we're going to play a little Carol Oakey. So what I want to do is, I want you... Uh, even if you hate Christmas carols, and some of you put your hands up, even if you're the Grinch, even if you hate Christmas, I don't know why you're here if you hate Christmas, but even if you do, uh, I want you to sing, okay? I'm going to sing the first two lines. Uh, I'm a trained singer, and then you, you're going to sing the next two lines of the song. So you ready? We're going to sing up on the housetop. Let me start, and then you sing as loud as you can, right? I know this is Pennsylvania. I know this is going to freak you out a little bit. I know you're going to be embarrassed. That's part of the game, okay? So I, I hope you drank a lot of hot chocolate tonight. So here you go. Up on the housetop. Ready? Up on the housetop, reindeer paws. Down through the chimney with lots of toys. That was all for the little good girls and boys. Ho, ho, ho. There you go. You guys got that. All right, you're good. You carried away in church tonight. Let's do, a little, let's do a little Jingle Bell Rock. That's a good, that's a good one. Like, e- even if you hate Christmas, that's a good one, right? Ready? I'll tell you when to sing. I'll point to you because you didn't listen to me last time. You didn't listen. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder when I'm up here. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. Hold on. Jingle Bell chimes and Jingle Bell times. Okay, you guys are absolutely ruining it for us. The next line is snowing and blowing up bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. You're ruining this for me right now. Let's do a couple more. Let's do some, let's do some, you know, it's church. Let's do some, let's some, some, ch- some church ones. Angels we have heard on high. Ready? Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains. Glory. Oh. 
<laughs> right? What, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Okay, here, here's the last one. Silent Night. This is, this is the classic, right? Ready? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Keep going, man. You guys sound really good. That's good. Look, one more line. Sleep. Right? Good job. Let's clap it out all over this. You ever see that one commercial? The one, I don't think it's Pampers, where the babies are off sleeping. And you see that one this year? That's what I feel like doing after I heard you guys singing. That was excellent singing. Uh, that was a fun game. Here's what I know about Christmas carols for, for me, and I think maybe you could relate. Oftentimes with Christmas carols, we, we know and understand and are kind of uh, close to the, the theme or the, uh, the sound of the, of the song, but we, we struggle with the words. We, we, know, we know the theme. We struggle with the words. We know the tune. We know the general idea of the song, but we struggle with the, actually understanding the words. One of my favorite songs is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. If you read that song, the, the words to that song, you'll come away thinking, what, what, what does that even what does that even mean? Who's captive Israel? Well, what, what, what's, what's Emmanuel? It's a pretty song, uh, but what, what does it mean? And I think with, with, with the Christmas story, uh, the general population, myself included, because I've grown up in church, we have a general understanding. I hope, I hope I have a pretty good understanding of the Christmas story at this point in my life, because uh, that's what I do for a living. We, we have a general understanding of the tune of Christmas but, but the words, they, they, the depth of them, the reality of them, the, the significance of them, the fact that the Bible says in the book of John, uh, chapter 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the word, the word was God, but the Word became flesh. Like, that's what Christmas is, is all about. So what I want to do is I want to spend some, some time talking about that word, uh, Emmanuel. E- Emmanuel. The, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it starts with talking about Israel, and if you, read the, if you never read the Bible, you'll be like, well, who's Israel? Israel is God's people, uh, and God's people had been hearing for, for many years that, that God was going to send a Savior. That, that they, if you read the Old Testament, the Bible's broken up into two parts, the, the Old Testament, New Testament. It's one book, but it has two parts. The Old Testament is, is, is kind of uh, the story of the beginning of the world and how we got to, to Jesus. If you read the, the Old Testament, it centers mainly around uh, God's chosen people, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, and, and they're always encouraging to me because they can't seem to get their act together. Like they got all these religious th- things they do, but they can't stay faithful to God. And, and God says, look, you got to stay faithful to me. If you stay faithful to me, I'm going to stay close to you, and we're going to kind of work this plan out of bringing this Savior to the world. But they just can't figure it out. So for years, they've been kind of going through ups and downs. Many of us could relate with them. And uh, their, their country gets destroyed, their temple gets destroyed, many of the people get sent away uh, when, the, when the, the str- a strong empire, the Babylonians come and they destroy everything and they make people slaves and they take the smartest and the wisest and they indoctrinate them into the evil culture and it's just really bad. But they were still hearing, eventually God's coming, eventually God's coming. So this song is actually about an Old Testament prophet, his name's Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus is actually born. Uh, Isaiah prophesies in the book of Isaiah chapter 7. He says, he says, 
the, the Savior is going to be born of, of a virgin, and, and they're going to name him Emmanuel. So flash forward 2,000 years later, they've gone through all this kind of this pain and agony. We can relate to them, I, I believe. We, 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 can, we can understand them. They've gone through suffering, and uh, they can't get it right. And the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter, chapter 1, that, that, that the actual words of the, the prophecy that happened 700 years ago, that, that that's what was happening the first Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21 says, She will give birth to a son. It's talking about Mary. And then it says, And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets 700 years earlier. The Bible is, is such, a, such an amazing book. Like People will say stuff like if you ever just study the prophecies in the Bible and the fact that Jesus fulfilled them, it is impossible. 700 years earlier, Jesus is coming. And now he's saying, this is the fulfillment of the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which I love this word. It means God with us. So what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to, I want to concentrate on that. If there was ever a message of Christmas, it would be that, that God wants to be with you. That's an amazing concept, that you, one of a billion, some of you are like, of course he does, because I'm awesome, right? Like, I'm amazing. And, and everybody else in this room says, you're, you're, you're an idiot, like, you're not awesome, we, we know you. But there's also many people here that would say, I, 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 feel, I, feel, I feel unworthy, I feel shame. Like some of you, you wear, you, wear, you wear a strong face, but the truth is you, you know yourself better than everybody else knows you. I know myself better than everybody else knows me. I know who I truly am. The fact that God wants to be with, with me seems, seems really strange to me. That, that he would step out of eternity and he would come in, into this world, that he, would, that he would live a life in this world, that he, he could understand what I've been through, that he can understand and relate to what I, what I, what I, what I go through, what, I, what have I experienced, like that, that God wants to be with me. A lot of you in this room will say, I, I, don't, I don't think that's true that God is with me. I don't feel God. I'm not like all tingly on the inside right now. I've never, I've never seen God. There's others of you in this room that you would say, you know, I know you say God's with me, but it hasn't felt like God's been with me this last year. Like my, my marriage fell apart and, and the, the job that I thought was, was mine, I didn't get. And for some of you, you, you sit, you're going to sit at a dinner table in a couple hours or tomorrow and you're going to sit and you're going to look across, there's going to be an empty chair. Because you would have lost a loved one. And you're going to think, man, God, what do you mean God's with me? Some of you, have, you've been through stuff in your life, and you're like, God has not been with me. Like, I don't know, think you understand and comprehend what I've been through. How could you say God wants to be with me? If God's good, then why'd this happen? So I'd like to, to kind of dive into that thought with really three simple truths that I think, that I think could hit you wherever you're at tonight. That, that's my hope. That's how good I think Jesus is, that, that I could talk to a room full of, of people at three campuses, but, but it would be as if it was just the Word of God, God's presence speaking to you, and you would walk away from this place by, by the power of God, not because of anything I say, going, no, God, He wants to be with, with, with me. He, he, he's chosen to be with me. He set this night up to be with me. Like, that's the message of Christmas. So the first thing is this, three, three truths about Emmanuel that I want to talk to you about tonight. The first one is really simple. In your current situation, I would say that the encouragement that you need to embrace tonight is God is 
with you. God is with you. Some of you going through something tonight, and you're like, I, I don't feel God. I don't know if God's, God's with me. Listen, I, I, I want to stop, and I want to put a disclaimer on this point. For, for some of us in this room, uh, we've known God, but we've wandered away from God. I'm going to talk to you about that in a couple minutes. There's something called stupid pain where you kind of put your finger in a, in a socket and you get shocked because you're standing in water and it, you get shocked and, and you can't go, hey, God, why'd you make me get shocked? God goes, you know, stop being an idiot in the nicest way possible and you'll stop getting shocked. Or if my kid, you know, if my kid runs and jumps off his top bunk, I've told him stop jumping off the top bunk 25 times and he bangs his head on the, on the dresser. He has no right to look at me and go, you're a bad dad. I'm looking at him and I'm going, you're stupid son. Like, you're, you don't listen. This is what you get, you rebellious son, right? Like, that's not what I say, but that's what I think. Like, just don't, don't do that anymore. So there's times you do stuff in your life where God's going, would you, you are literally punching yourself in the face right now. Just stop. Stop doing that. But there's other times in your life where, where you, you're facing something you didn't choose to face. And I think the natural, the natural question often in the midst of that is, God, are you with me still? The message of Christmas is, is God is with you. In fact, the very first passage in Luke chapter 1, verse number 28, when the angel comes to Mary, right? He says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You, you need to understand the story. An angel comes to Mary, she's a virgin. She's a teenager and she's betrothed to another, another a man, Joseph. An angel comes to Mary She's never had sex in her life. That's what a virgin is. I don't know if you knew that. And so she's never had sex. And, and the angel comes and says, listen, God has found, has, has found favor on you, and, and, and you're going to have a baby. Now, you have to understand, sometimes the plan of God causes un- discomfort in your life. Like, you might not get this. You might be thinking, well, this is fine. If you're, if you're engaged to, to a man, try having that conversation with him. Hey, an angel showed up in my room. No, his name was not John. I didn't meet him on Tinder. No. It was an angel. His name was Michael, the archangel. We've never had sex, but I'm pregnant. Don't worry, though. It's God's. I mean, you think about that conversation. These people are, listen, I know some people are Catholic, and you think Mary was, you know, this, this big deal, and you have her statue in, in, your, in, your, in, your, in, in your yard, and you do all this stuff, and I'm about to offend you, but Mary was a normal person. She wasn't expecting, she wasn't walking around going, hey, I'm waiting, I'll, I'll, have, your, I'll have your baby, God, it'll be fine. Like this, this completely would have freaked her out, and on top of that, this would have caused all sorts of problems. Not only is she having to go tell her husband, hey, I saw an angel, hope you see the same angel, I'm having the baby Jesus, he's going to be called Emmanuel, he's going to save his people from his sin, their sins, it's going to be awesome, but on top of that, she starts to get, to get a belly because she's pregnant. And they're having to go around telling everybody, it's not Joseph's, right? I didn't do it because this was definitely frowned upon back then. It wasn't okay to get pregnant out of wedlock. Like, it was a big deal. It's not mine. It's, it's God's. It's, it's not mine. It's God's. I mean, this is, this is a completely ridiculous time in her life. But I think the Bible even said that even though you're favored, even though you're going through something that, that, that's causing some problems, my plan sometimes causes uh, some, some, some pain in your life, and I'm, but I'm still going to be... I'm still going to be with you. In fact, the Bible says in the book of, in the book of Psalms 46, God is our, our refuge and strength. I love this verse. An ever-present help in the time of trouble. The, the, the Bible actually describes with the wording that it used, uh, someone who comes alongside of you. So if you're going through something right now, 
that seems out of your control. It's the time in those situations where the Bible says God comes along. Side of you, I'll explain it to you. Some of you, you look at me like, what does that mean? I was at the gym a few years back uh, with Ian. If you don't know anything about Ian, Ian is our children's pastor. He's built like a wall, like a, like, like a, like a, a mixture. Like if he was a superhero and, and then you mixed him, his superhero-ness in the movie Twins, right? And he was Thor, right? So like if there was Thor, but there was two Thors, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito. Some of you are like, don't remember this movie at all. Arnold Schwarzenegger, before he was the governor, he had muscle. He was a big dude. And then he had Danny DeVito. He's really short. So, so Ian is, is, is Chris uh, Helmsingsworth, whatever his name is. He's that. Like they, they're, they're brothers, but they look a little different. Like, but he is strong. So, so listen, there's times that we do stuff at work that I'm like, I try to open something up. I'm like, uh, and I'm like, can't do it. I need your man hands. And so he comes over and he rip, rips it off. Or I'll be like, you're like, uh, I can't lift it. Oftentimes, I don't even try because why try when you have the, a strong man with you? So anyway, so I'm old. And so, so one time we were at the gym a few years back and, and we were working out and, and I, there's this guy working out in there. He was, he was real big, like really, like, I don't want to talk bad about him and judge him, but he was on something. Like he was big and he was angry. And so he was working out and I was, you know, doing what I do at the gym, and so we, we crossed paths, and we kept kind of getting each other's way, and by we, I meant I kept getting in his way, because he thought he owned the gym, because he had muscle, and so we're kind of getting each other's way, and, and then we kind of, kind of, kind of started giving each other looks, and he finally, I gave him the look, like, I rolled my eyes at him, like, like, what, and like, like, I didn't mean what, <laughs> I'm, I'm a pastor, but I was thinking what, so I might have rolled my eyes at him, and so after I rolled my eyes at him, he had headphones in. He took his headphones out. This is real life now. I'm a pastor of a church. Took his headphones out. In the middle of the gym, he was like, what? Exactly like that. And I was like, what? And he was like, you looked at me. And I was like, what? And listen, as he's getting closer to me, out of the corner of my eye, this big old steroid, Jersey Shore guy's getting closer. And behind him comes Mini Thor. He's coming over, right? This is exactly the same. And he's coming over. And when I see Ian out of the corner of my eye, because I don't care how big this guy is, Ian will take him. Like, I put my money on Ian against anybody, right? Ian's coming over. I started getting a little tougher, right? And I'm like, because I saw Ian coming in my peripheral vision. And so this guy kept talking, and Ian kept walking over. And finally, he walked away, and I was like, Shoo. But But in my head, I was thinking, he wasn't going to get me anyways. Because Ian is, is the God that comes alongside of me when I'm in trouble. He's an ever-present help in a time of need at the gym. Like, like that's God. So, so here's what happens. If you're going through something right now and God is with you, let me, let me show you. When you're lost and you don't know where to go, God is your guide. When you're hurting and feel alone, God is your, your friend. When you're in the middle of a trial, God is your, your comforter. When you're, when you're sick, God is your healer. When you're weak, God is your strength, and, and any time you're lost in sin, God is with you as your, your Savior. That's something that if you're going something, we should clap about in this house. God is the God who comes beside you. He, listen, He is with you right now. I don't care what you feel, and I don't care what the report says. God is with you. Number two is this. This is for those of you who, who, who've gone through something in your past. And you say, I, I know you say all those things about God. Well, what about all the bad things that have happened to me in my past? Number two that, that, that I think you need to understand about Emmanuel is God was with you. 
He, he was with you. The number one thing I hear people say about, about God, their problem with God, they don't, they don't have a problem with believing in a God. Some of them. They have a problem with believing in a good God because of all the bad things that have happened to them. Like they, I've, I've, been, I've been abandoned. I've been molested. Uh, I've, been, I've been, been alone. I've gotten diseases I didn't ask for. Or I had a family member die. I had a... I had a, I had a a son or a daughter get cancer. I lost a baby in my womb. Like, if God was so good and God was with me and he's Emmanuel, then why did these things happen to me? And, and what I want to tell you tonight before I get into this is I'm not going to try to preach about why stuff happened to you. I, I, I can't tell you this is why this happened. This is, this is, this is the reason. I'm not talking about things you brought upon yourself. I'm talking about things that are like deep and dark you experienced in your, in your childhood. And trust me, as a pastor, there's things that I hear that I'm like, how did that even happen? Like, how did that, how did that even go on? Like, I didn't even know people go through things like that. And how do I look at them and I say, God, God was with you. So, so what I choose to do in these situations, instead of argue with you, what I want to do is I, w- I want to show you an example in, in the Bible, because uh, these are all through the Bible, and then I want to give you some practical examples from my own life and people's other lives, because here's the thing, as, as you get into that situation, you can begin to go to yourself, man, my life is worse than everybody else's life. The only reason that anybody is on this stage, the only reason that anybody's in this room believes what they believe is because they had an easy life. I guarantee you, if they would have had the life that I had, if they would have been molested the way I was molested, which we have people that on this stage, and I have people very close to me that served the Lord that were molested. They haven't let it define them. I have people very close to me that were abandoned. I have people, people very close to me that were adopted. I have people very close to me that have gone through things. They've lost children. They've lost spouses. They've, they've lost moms and dads. They've been through things. So let, let's not, let's, because what happens so many times when you're in this style, you're going, man, my life is so much worse than everybody else's life. The only reason they believe it's because their life's been easy. I don't think that's the truth. And I think one of the greatest gifts I can give you tonight is the gift of perspective. I think that, that if I can help you to look at your, your past in a different light, because the way that you look at something defines the way that it affects you. So if you go back through your life and you go, it's all awful, it's been so bad, and it defines you, defines you, defines you, it's going to affect you the rest of life. And listen, a lie believed as truth will affect you as if it's truth. So if you believe the lie that everything that happened in your past is so much worse than everybody else's life and you're never going to get over it and it's not redeemable and God can't use it and God's not good, then you're going to believe the lie and it's going to continue to affect you the rest of your life. It's going to define you. So I want to talk to you as we go through this. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Joseph, not Mary's husband, but but a guy in the Old Testament. And Joseph had a worse life than all of us. I mean, it was, it was awful. He was the, the youngest of 11, 11 kids. I mean, that's an awful life right there. Like, you're the youngest of, of 11. Some of you say, no, that's the best. Not, I mean, think about all the wedgies. He's the youngest of 11 boys. I mean, he would have been pummeled all the time. But, but Joseph was, was a pretty cocky little kid. And some of you would say, uh-huh, all younger people, younger siblings are. And, and he started having dreams when he was younger. And his dreams consisted of him being over his other brothers. And, and he did the thing that you never do. He started to tell people his dreams. You know, I'm having dreams. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm be, be this, and you guys are going to bow down to me. I'm, I'm going I'm to be really important, and you guys are going to bow down to me. And on top of that, his dad, the Bible says, kind of favored him and took care of him, gave him a coat of many colors. Nobody else had a coat of many colors in his family. And so everybody kind of hated him. Finally, his brothers one day said, we're going to get rid of Joseph. Could you imagine this conversation? We're going, we're going, we're going to get rid of Joseph. So they, they found a pit. They threw Joseph in a pit, and they were going to leave him there. 
They took his, they took his coat of many colors. They stained it with blood. They were going to go back and tell their dad, you know, Joseph died. We lost him. And as they were leaving, they said, nah, let's not, let's not leave him here. Let's sell him as a slave. Could you imagine this conversation? If we're going to get rid of him, let's at least make a little bit of money off of him. So they sell their brother as a slave. So he has done nothing wrong but be the youngest brother, and he, he's just kind of a cocky little kid. He gets sold into slavery in, the, in the, the country of Egypt, a very powerful empire at that time. He becomes a, a worker, a slave at the a home of a man named Potiphar. And the Bible says that in everything he did, even though that he, was a, that he could have been a victim, that he found victory, and he began to serve and found favor and honor in everything that he did. And Potiphar noticed this, and so he put him in, in command of everything in his home. Potiphar's wife also noticed Joseph. He was good looking. Mm-hmm, he was fine. And so the Bible says Potiphar's wife pursues him. She, she comes to him naked, and, and the Bible says that Joseph runs away. He, in fact, he runs so fast that he leaves behind a, a piece of his clothing. And she goes to Potiphar, and she says, this slave tried to sleep with me. It didn't happen like that at all. And the Bible says that he gets thrown into jail. He gets thrown into jail for some years, and even in jail, it seems like he's forgotten until finally, if you read the entire story, God works out this amazing plan where he ends up working for the Pharaoh of Egypt, which is like working for the president. He becomes the second most powerful man in the world, and at some point, his brothers, because there's a famine in the land, and he's living in Egypt, which is like, I'll explain it like this, that's like living in Philadelphia or moving out to the outskirts of the country. There's a lot more uh, supplies in the middle of Philadelphia, right? There's a, there's a lot more uh, job opportunity in the middle of Philadelphia. So they come kind of knocking at the door, and they find Joseph, and they're freaked out, and they're like, wait, this is our brother. He's going to kill us. We sold him into slavery. We stole his jacket. And he looks at them, and this is perspective. He says, what you meant for harm, God used for good. God, God was, he was with me. And listen, as I look back over my life, I'm, it's much easier for me to kind of look at life like this and see what's happening. But oftentimes what I found myself doing is recognizing the miracles of God in the rearview mirror. As I look back on life, I'm going, and look at all that God has done. As I stand here tonight... 10 years ago where we, we moved here to start this church and I see the people that are in this room and I know the people in Plymouth meeting in Limerick and I know what God's doing in the moment and what he's going to do at 6 o'clock and I know what happened in the first couple months of this church and I know the things we went through and I know the sacrifices that were made and I know the hurt that was felt and the abandonment that was felt. I'm still going. God was with me. Just this year in our church we had a young girl named Lauren lose a, lose a, lose a battle with, with, a, with heart failure. I mean it just took her life. Seems so senseless to me. I mean, it was, it, was, it was so weird because it was right after our Easter season and our church is riding high. And, and, and when, you, when something like that happens to your church, you're just like, God, where are you? Where are you? Why is this going on? Went to the hospital. We prayed for Lauren. We believed she was going to be brought out of this coma and back to life. And we believed God was going to heal her. We believed God was going to use her. And then she passed. 25-year-old girl. The tendency to say, God, God, you're not here. You're not here. We did her funeral. There's about seven, eight, nine hundred people at this funeral. We, we gave an altar call at the end. And for those of you who don't go to church, that, that means we just gave people a chance to respond to Jesus. Hands went up all over the place. She didn't die in vain. She's with Jesus. The Bible says to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord. The Bible also says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. The things God has prepared for those that love him. And so we believe that we're going to see Lauren one day again. At the end of that funeral, uh, we were in the, the lobby. They had refreshments, and uh, a couple young ladies came up to me, and they said, we, we, we didn't know Lauren, but we had connections with her through, through, a, 
their job or a network that they were in, and, and they said, thank you so much. Now, if, you, if you're in the midst of our church, our churches start in Plymouth meeting. If you ever start a church, it takes about six months to filter through the crazy people when you start a church. It's just the way it works. You're not any of the crazy people, so I'm not talking about the, you guys. Like, people just come. It just, and so it takes about six months to kind of build this, this, this team, and so it's right around the same time. And uh, fast forward to this time of the year, uh, a bunch of the, 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 that girl that came up to me at the end and some, uh, some and her family and their friend and there's other connections, they're now a big part of the, the Plymouth Meeting campus and they're helping us reach people and build that thing. And listen, listen, God was with us. He, he was. He uses, he uses bad for, for his good. There's things that happen on this earth that, that, are, that are just pure evil, but God gets the last, the last word. Sometimes you'll come to church if you're in Phoenixville and if you're at Limerick, you, you'll see a young lady named Keisha up here worship, worshiping. I don't know Keisha uh, that well, but, but from the, the interactions I've had with her, I've always wondered, why is she so nice? Doesn't she know this is Pennsylvania? Like the first time I met Keisha, I was, in, I was at Limerick campus. I walked in and she was like, hey, and I was like, you don't need to be like that. This is my church. But, hey, she was just like super kind and then and then like she every time a new person comes into church i've seen her i've seen her like wander away from 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 the people she knows and just welcome people and i'm always like why are you like that that's so abnormal that's so weird like most church people especially pennsylvanians we want to sit in our seat we don't want anybody to talk to us if we could have little walls up in our seat that would be great like a little little privacy wall just put them up you know, don't talk to me. If I want to talk to you, I'll put my window down. Like, that's how we are. But, but she, she always loved people. So I, I found out a few weeks ago, uh, as, as I kind of heard her story, I found out that she was adopted. I found out, uh, I'm not going to share a lot of her stories, but I want to share it with you in a couple, couple months here. But I found out she's been through some stuff in her life. Like, she's been through some hard stuff. So I stopped her last week because I saw her do the same thing on a Sunday morning with somebody. I saw her bring this young girl in and, and sit with her and just, was, just welcomed her and made her feel like she was supposed to be here. And I said, why are you like that? Why are you like that? And she said, because what I went through, and I know what it feels like to feel unwanted and not have a family. She says, I don't want anybody to feel like that. You see, she went through something completely unnatural. She could have responded to it in the natural way, which would have been to have been bitter and resentful, but she gave it to Jesus, and now Jesus uses it for supernatural resources and abilities to reach people far from her. Jesus was with her. Jesus was with you. The Bible says he'll never leave you, and he'll never turn his back on you. The Bible says that he can use all things for his good, that you can hold on to something for the rest of your life and say, where was God? Or you can start to realize that God is a God who is always there, that God was with you, that God is not going to leave me alone, that God allows me sometimes to go through things, but he doesn't allow me to go through them without purpose, that he takes me through things to things. He takes me through things to get me to things. He takes me through things that are unnatural to do supernatural things in my life. God was with me. And, and number three, I, I think maybe this, this is for the person who doesn't believe at all, or maybe... Maybe you have shame in your life, or maybe you're hurt, or maybe you're fearful, or maybe you're, you're alone, or maybe you're embarrassed. I want you to hear this last phrase. God, God will be with you. God, God will be, he will be with you. That, that is the message of, of Christmas. That God, the God of heaven and earth, the perfect God, the Bible says the creator and he will be with you. Wherever you're at, wherever you've been, 
wherever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you brought into this place, whatever shame that you have, whatever mistake that you carry, whatever baggage that you're holding, that God in this moment, that he will be with you. In fact, that is the message of the first Christmas. See, we know the tune of Christmas. We know there's a little manger, you know, and actually the manger is actually what he, what he sits in. It's not the, the barn. That's a barn. We think the, the manger is the big thing that you put out, that your, your old grandma put out, or, you know, somebody in your house, or maybe you have one, and we say, this is a manger set. No, it's not a manger set. It's a barn. You could take everything else out and have the baby in the, in the little thing he's sitting in, and that's not a cradle. That is the manger. The manger was a trough, just so you understand what it is. It was the place they would dump slop in so that the farm animals, the donkeys and the, and, and, and the horses and the cows and the pigs and everything else, they would come in they would. Listen, ain't no baby of mine getting put in a trough. If I would have went to Phoenixville Hospital or wherever else we had our babies and they would have said, here's all we have left. It's the trash can. Oh no, my insurance is not paying for that. They're going to hear from my lawyer. God would see fit to put, put himself in a trough. There's something there. That God will come into the dirtiest part of your life. That's what that says. The dirtiest part of who you are. Some of you hide everything that you are. The dirtiest part of who you are. The part you're most embarrassed of. That God will be with you. He will be with you. And then the Bible says as he's being born, there's animals around him. And could you imagine the smell? The Bible says that God sends a chorus of angels. How important do you have to be to get a chorus of angels? Mary got one. She never got a chorus. She's who we worship in, the, in, in this part of the country. We got little statues of her, all this stuff. Mary got one angel. Joseph. She got one angel. Three of the people, they got one angel. There's a chorus of angels, and they're singing out on a hill. You know who they go to? They go to the shepherds. Do you even comprehend who that is? Probably not, because you're, you're not a pastor. You never studied it, so I'm going to tell you right now. Shepherds were the worst of the worst of the worst. They were unclean because they hung out with animals all the time. They would have never been allowed to go to the temple to worship God ever. That's where the presence of God was. The message to them was God wanted nothing to do with you. So the very first people that God goes to get with the choir of angels and the message is you are so important that we're going to stop what we're doing in heaven, singing praises to God, and we're going to come and we're going to tell you a message. You are the first people that get to go see Jesus. God will be with you. The, the question is, is will you be with God? Will you be with God? God, God will be with you. He, he, he will get into the dirtiest parts of your life. I, I heard a, a quote this weekend. It said, it said, the manger, it brought God to man. 33 years later, Jesus died on a cross. That was the completion of, of why he came. That is the reason he came. But the cross, it brings man to God. See, the Bible says that you can never get to God, so God became flesh. He came to us. He was, he was allowed himself to be put in the dirtiest place he could be put in. There's a message there. He went and got the worst people he could get. There's a message there. Some of you can relate with that. And the Bible says that they had a choice on that, that hill to go, ah, it's not every day you see a choir of angels, but I think we'll hang out here for a little bit longer, see what else shows up. The Bible says they had a decision to make. The Bible says they had to go to the to the barn, to the manger, to meet the baby Jesus. The Bible says they came, a well t came away telling everybody that God would be with them, but they had a choice that they would be with, with God. I mean, think about, 
Think about today, 2,000 years later, everything that God has sent to you to get you to him. I'll give you some examples. He got you to church tonight. Some of you are, oh, that's a miracle. Like the next time you're going to come is Easter, right? You're here tonight. Some of you, some of you, he saved one of your family or friend, friends some time ago. Like, like you, you knew who they were before they met Jesus and they are completely different. And God saved them, but then God sent them on a special mission to get you. And they've been talking to you for a long time about Jesus and you've been, eh. But tonight you finally agreed to come because it's Christmas and what else will we do? He got you here tonight. He has done everything he possibly could. He's knocking at the door of your heart, the Bible says. He's knocking at the door of your heart. The question is, will you be with him tonight? Will you be with him? Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can keep you from God's power. Nothing can keep you from living a life of abundance. Nothing can keep you from living a life of hope and of purpose. Except for you tonight. There's not something that happened to you in your life. Some of you, you've been playing that. Man, I, I believe in God, but I just can't get past this. You're believing a lie of the enemy. He wants you to hold on to that pain for the rest of your life. He wants you to go to the grave with struggling with it. He wants you to pass it off to your kids and your kids' kids. That's what he wants for you. There's freedom in this place. That's the message of Christmas, that God, he will be with you. The question is, will you be with him tonight? And here's the thing. You don't jump through a hoop. You don't clean yourself up. Listen, there was no, there was no showers for the shepherds. They weren't like, oh man, we got to wash this. The sheep smell off us before we go see the king. The Bible says they got up and they just got to the, the manger. When they got into the presence of Jesus, they recognized who he was, the Bible says. They knew how good he was. They didn't miss that opportunity. And they, come away, they came away being different people. They came away with a different future. Will you get to Jesus tonight? The Bible says if you would, would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and the message of Jesus, that he came, that he died, and that he rose from the dead, that you will be saved, that your sins will be forgiven, past, present, and future, that you'll become a brand new creation. By the way, the person who wrote that was a murderer when he met Jesus. He met Jesus on a road to Damascus. He's on a road to, to kill Christians, and the Bible says he meets Jesus, and he's the one that wrote that. And when you meet Christ, behold, you'll become a brand new creation the old is gone, and the new has come. Will you meet Jesus? He wants to be with you. The question is, will you be with him tonight? Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes with me? At our Limerick campus and our Plymouth, Plymouth Meeting campus, I know it's Christmas. And historically, there was so much on your mind. But listen, listen. I think at the end of the year that many of you have convinced yourself that your problems are not going into 2016 with you. That who you are today is going to be different because the calendar is flipping. And the truth is, is you have no answer for your problems. You have no answer for your pain. You can drink something. You can pop something. You can shoot something up. You can meet someone new. But listen, who you are, what you've done, what you struggle with, it's coming with you. It's following you. It's whispering in your ear. It's defeating you. It's defining you. And you can allow everything that's going on right now, all the plans, to drown out the voice of God. But I pray, I pray that as I raise my voice, that it's a representation of the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. And he is screaming out to you, I am God with you. 
I will be with you tonight. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you brought into this place. I don't care about your past. I don't care about what you're addicted to. I don't care about what you struggle with. I don't care about what you think about. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is you. And he would do everything to get to you to the point where he would die on the cross. You should have died on for the sins that you've committed. He was placed in a tomb, and on the third day he rose from the dead. The Bible says they came to get him to anoint his dead body. And when they got to the body, the, the, the tomb, there was another angel there. And they said, what are you looking for? He told you what he was going to do. The Bible says they went and they found him, and they saw him, and they saw the nails in his hand, and they saw the, the scars on his body. And in that moment, they believed, and they knew that he rose from the dead. And then he, he saw 500 more people. And then he went back to heaven, and the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God. It's a place of authority. And the Bible says that he intercedes, that he calls out to his children. You're not an accident. It wasn't by chance you're here. He knew the exact seat you were going to sit in. And God will be with you tonight. The question is, will you be with God? Will you pray the prayer? Will you take the opportunity? Will you stop looking? The answer is Jesus. He's always the answer. He's the only answer. He's the only reason we're here tonight. I'm not here because I believe the right thing. I'm here because God came to save me and he set me free and I know who I'd be without him and I've committed the rest of my life to share the good news of Jesus Christ and I found it an honor and a privilege to share this message with you tonight, to laugh with you, to maybe cry with you and I would find it even more honor and privilege to lead you in a prayer right now as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So with no one looking around, the Bible says it's simple, you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you are saved. It's not a religious thing at all. You talk to God like he's your friend. He knows you better than you know yourself. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold in this house. Before you leave this place, the best present you can get tonight, and I know it seems cliche, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're in this place and you say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God has gotten to me tonight. He has spoken to my heart. I'm getting to him. I'm accepting him as my Lord and Savior. If you're here tonight all over our three campuses with nobody looking around without thinking about it, you know he's speaking to you. You know he's talking to you. You know he's knocking at the door of your heart. You're tired of hiding. You're letting the light of the world in. You're letting Jesus into your life. Would you just shoot your hand up in the air on this Christmas season and say, you know what? Today I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Today I'm going to make Jesus the King of my life. If that's you here, would you just shoot your hand up in the air? If you're at a Limerick campus, you're at a Plymouth meeting campus, you say, you know what? I'm praying this prayer with you right now pastor i'm praying this prayer with you right now is anybody here with me at our phoenixville campus you say you know what i don't have a relationship with jesus christ i'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to manipulate you to do this i'm just going to give you one more second one more second one more chance at limerick and plymouth meeting just keep your hand in the air so your campus pastors can recognize you as we as we're going to pray as we close in this this time is there anybody else in this place that say you know what today's going to be my day my day of salvation tonight i'm going to give jesus my life. I'm going to get to Jesus. Would you pray with me, church? Jesus, we love you, and we are thankful for your presence. We're thankful for everything that you are. We're thankful uh, for your message of hope. We're thankful for Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. We're thankful for those that are here tonight that are experienced the message of Christmas for the very first time. They've known Christmas. They've known the tune, but today they meet the Word. They meet the Word. They meet you. You became flesh for us. You lived a life that we could have never lived. You died the death that we should have died. And so as there's people all over these campuses, they're praying. And they've never talked to you before. And the prayer is simple. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the reason you came. And I believe in the reason that you died. 
I believe that you rose from the dead, and today I'm going to put my faith, my hope, and my trust in you, Jesus Christ. I'm going to leave this place, and I am never going to be the same again. My sin, my old ways, the, the things I struggle with, man, they're dead. I am alive in Christ. I am found in Christ. I am victorious in Christ. I'm going to live an abundant life in Christ. I have a hope and a future in Christ. God, you chose us, and today we we choose to respond to that calling. Jesus, we love you, and we are so thankful for you being with us here at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick. Thank you for every person that came to this place. Thank you for speaking to us as we celebrate this Christmas season. Be with us, protect us, watch over us. In Jesus' name that we pray. And in all three of our campuses, you said amen with me. Amen. Let's clap. Let's thank the Lord for being here.